right, today I want to talk about power and salvation. As I was praying and as I was asking the Lord what to speak to you today, and this is what I got today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask God's presence. Father Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I surrender this time and the service to you, Father. Have your way, O oh God. Lord, you show up, you speak to us, and you transform us, Lord, our thinking, so that we can conform to the image of your Son. We give you praise, we give you glory. Let the angels of God be charged over here. I bind every hindrance, every evil work, every evil mindset. And we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that your fire fall, let it have free course in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Let's talk about power and salvation. Thank you, Jesus. The book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, if you turn with me over there. So tonight as we, not tonight, today as we delve into the Word of God, I want to show you without any shadow of doubt that whenever you're faced with a need, whether it's material or financial or any emotional need or anything, the thing that you really need is not money or human assistance or psychological assistance. And the thing that is really necessary is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm going to delve deep into this. Because today we're going to tap into the mind of the Father and, uh, and really understand in a deep way how do you tap into the power of God for our needs. Because see, most of our lives, or many people, have only experienced the human assistance piece. Many have been tapped into what it means to receive the power of God into your situations, into your life. So we're going to look at it. So Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everyone say the power of God. The power of God unto salvation. So see, traditionally we've said the salvation means a salvation experience. It's way more than that. You're looking at God's power to save you from any situation that you're going through. So the good news of the gospel is not some historical record, but it is the fact that the power of God is fully available for you to leverage, for you to tap into for any of your situations in life. And this is the gospel or the good news, that the whole human race can tap into this now. And he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. And, like, and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says, Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. So what do you do uh, because of that? So Jesus said, blessed are those who has believed in me without even seeing me. We, sitting in, our ch in church today, we believe in Jesus without even having seen him. We love him without having seen him. We are full of his joy and glory. Why? Because of the faith that is deposited in it. So, so what he's saying is, look at the, uh, the part that I've highlighted in yellow. It says, receiving the outcome of your faith the salvation 
of your souls. I've, I've uh, taught this before. The great and the, the main goal of this whole thing is not be coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's, it's the awakening of your soul. Just because coming to church, Satan is not uh, afraid of anybody coming to church. If your soul is still asleep, if your soul is still dead, this is just religion. Your soul has to be awakened to your divinity, to the fullness of God that God has called you to. But until that awakening happens, you're just going through a motion. You don't know who you are really. You're coming to church, but you've, you haven't tapped into your full inheritance. You haven't tapped into uh, what God has for you from his immeasurable riches of his glory. So... It, so the apostle says here in First Peter says receiving the outcome of your faith. So what is the outcome? What is the end goal of our faith? And he says it's the salvation of our souls. So there is definitely a future futuristic element to this. We will after we die, our souls are saved. We'll go to heaven. But as as we've mentioned often, it's talking about our current situation as well. We awakening to who we are in Christ. So, a state where sin consciousness is gone and we awaken to the righteousness of Christ. We fully see ourselves as daughters and sons of God, blemishless, holy, without blemish in the sight of God. That's the awakening where you walk as Christ walked. Where sin is not in the back of your mind, but divinity and the fullness of righteousness is what you operate in. So that has to happen. That's the outcome of your faith. And Jesus said it this way, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So see, if you look at it, I thought the Hollywood stars were the happiest people, one of the, some of the happiest people on earth. But you've seen the news lately. You know, there was a prophecy actually a few months ago this is going to happen. Some big name stars are going to commit suicide. And you saw that last uh, few months. Three huge stars, celebrities of the world, committed suicide. And you ask, why? They got all the money. They got all the fame that they needed. But why did they commit suicide? Because they were empty. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much uh, fame you have, if your soul hasn't awakened to the divinity and acceptance of God, you are empty. You're just continually doing this rat race. You don't know who you are. You know, there's only, we, we think money will answer all our problems. It doesn't. We think fame will answer all our problems. It doesn't. It, it's, it all burns off eventually. Until you connect with your maker. Until you connect with him and your soul is awakened to know that you're not an average person sitting here. There is God's spirit deposited in you. There's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Until you fully wake up to the unique expression of God you are, you will never be satisfied. Your worth should come from your acceptance from God. You should know that you are accepted in the beloved. Now your physical background might say something else. Poor, broke, divorced, murderer. But that is not how God sees you. God sees his unique expression in each one of you. You are divine beings. And until your soul is awakened, I mean, to lose your soul means you're, you haven't connected with God yet. 
you might have an early awakening. A lot of people in the church have like this 5%, 6% awakening, but 95% is dead. They're still not fully awakened. They're still coming here struggling. They don't know if God will hear their prayers. They're, on, they're not sure of what's going on. But, you know, it's better to come to church rather than not coming to church, I'll tell you that. Because every step you make, you're coming close and close to God. And so, Jesus says, what good is it for a man or a woman to gain the whole world? What's your pursuit? Is your pursuit something else? Empty things? Guess what? If that's your pursuit, you're going to die unsatisfied. You'll never be happy. True satisfaction can only come when you merge and gel with God and know that you are a unique expression of God carrying the Spirit of God. You're, you know, God wants to use you. God wants to express through you. But he can't do that until you start to awaken. This is why Apostle Paul said, I have birth pangs. You know why? Because I labor to form Christ in you. Because this is the labor of churches. All, this should be the labor of churches all around the world to bring you all into mature sons and daughters who can operate in your calling. But again, you cannot operate until you awaken. Your soul has to wake up. Apostle Paul said, the eyes of your heart should be enlightened to know who you are. Michael Rush, you're not an ordinary person. Dan, you're not an ordinary person. Jeff, you're not. But the enemy wants to keep, uh, keep us in that plateau. You're an ordinary person. Just come to church, pray, and sing a few songs. But never know who you are. As long as he can just shut you down and never fully awaken you, he's okay. But the minute you wake up and your eyes open and know that Dan Billman is a unique expression of Christ, a son of God, fully divine, sin is not his to deal with. It was imposed upon him by deception. And so he doesn't identify with the sin. He walks in righteousness. Not only walks, he thinks in that fashion. Hallelujah. And Jesus said it this way, I came so that you may have life and life in its fullness. So, you know, God, Jesus came to give us this abundant life, but why are very few experiencing it is a big question, right? But see, just because your experience doesn't line up with the Word of God, you cannot throw the Word of God out the drain. Don't let your experience dictate what you believe in. Because many a times your experiences are not lining up with the Word of God. So does that mean God is not true? No. Actually, Apostle Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. If your experience is not lining up with the Word of God, the fault is with who? With God? No, it's with us. There's something going on with us. You know, it's funny because yesterday I was trying to fit a doorknob, and I thought I can just adjust it, jam it in. But until I exactly fitted with specifications, that doorknob wasn't fixed properly. Now, like I said, I could have made tweaks here and there and just kind of fit it in. But the problem is it'll make noise. It's going to come out. You know, many believers are like this. We, we are just trying to adjust our way through. No, no, no. You got to fit with the specifications as the Lord has told us to do. 
fit in. There are certain things that we got to adhere to, align with. It's called proper alignment. Until that happens, you're going to make some sounds and it's not going to be smooth. You know? So Jesus came so that we may have that life. What kind of life? Divine life expressing through you. And then that you will have the fullness of joy knowing that you're divine. You're not an average person. And look at this. John says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and is already in the world at this time. So if anybody's waiting for Antichrist, I have news for you. He's been already here. The spirit of Antichrist is, you know what that spirit is all about? The spirit is all about making, it's anti, what? Christ. Meaning, you should never awaken to the Christ in you. This is the spirit of Antichrist. You should always remain inferior as an average believer sitting here. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Operating to suppress people all around the world. Enslaving them to sin and bondage and folly. Never allowing them to rise up. Spirit of Antichrist. Because the Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now he's trying to anti or come against it. He doesn't want you to wake up. It's all about you awakening to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and to the divinity in you. So this is now operating since when? Since hundreds, thousands of years ago. So we are waiting for some beast to come out. No, it's already here. The Antichrist spirit is already operating very well. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. So how do we tap into this power? How do we move from a sleepy stage to an awakened stage? That's why Apostle Paul said, awake you sleepers. Awaken to what? To righteousness. Awaken to the state of righteousness in you and be dead to what? Sin. Let's look at this. In Luke 5.17, it says, It came to pass on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, who had come from every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everybody read that. The power, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. My question to you is, did everybody get healed? No. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. Even in this church today, the power of the Lord is present to get you out of your mess. But are, is everybody going to tap into it? Absolutely not. This is a human state, sad state. Just because your lights are out at home, does that mean electricity is out all around the world? Nope. Your lights are out because, of, because you might not have paid your bills or you might not have turned your switches on. But the power, the electric power is always available. Right? Similarly, the power of the Lord is always available. Just because you're not tapping into it doesn't mean God is not present. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. So the power of the Holy Spirit is present in the earth. But there are believers who were, and like today, never tap into that power. Never tap into that power. 
For example, look at this. I tell you, uh, this is from Luke 4.26. It says, I tell you truthfully that there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the sky was shut for three and a half years, great famine swept over all the land, yet Elijah was sent not to all of them, but to one widow in Zarephath in Sidon. So there were how many widows? Many widows in Israel, but only who, how many widows tapped into the power? Only one. And he goes on to say, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was healed except who? Naaman. This is, this is a very similar situation happening today, tomorrow, and this has happened all over the time. The power of God is present to heal all, but only very few tap into it. Even Jesus, when he, during his ministry, was everybody healed that was around him? No. Pharisees didn't tap into it. Sadducees didn't tap into it. Their stubborn self kept them from tapping into God. Or their ignorance kept them from tapping into God. So God knows who's ready for healing. God knows who's ready for deliverance. And he goes directly to them. He, it depends on your posture. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to uh, be open to what God has for you? Or are you going to reject it? Uh, so let's look at what he gives power for. Look at this now. Isaiah 40. Verse 28 says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So the power of the Lord is available if you're tired to make you strong. Listen to the next verse. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Power of the Lord is available to make you Wealthy. Is everybody wealthy though? Nope. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, I give power to get you wealth. I give power to the weak, to the faint, and give you strength. There's always the power of God available for different situations to energize you, to give life to your mortal bodies. Holy Spirit, is the power of the Lord is available to heal. We just read that a few verses ago. It's available. And he says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Power to tread down upon the devil. But are all believers treading on the devil? No, it's not happening. So I, like I said, God isn't obligated to change what you're experiencing until you tap into the fullness of his knowledge. There are some key revelations and key attitudes involved before power is released. And we're going to look into that. How, is those, how are those things released? Because all this is available, but many are not experiencing it. As I said, I'm not going to change. 
just because my experience doesn't line up with the word of God. Even if not one of you gets healed, I still believe in healing. I still believe in healing. I still believe that God can give the power to get wealth, even if I don't get wealthy. So if there is something that is not lining up in my life with the word of God, the fault is with me. It's not with God or the scriptures. Thank you, Lord. So don't you ever question God because of what you experience. Especially when your experience is not lining up with the word of God. Now you got to tell the devil right in his eyes. No matter whether it works or not, I still choose to believe in God and his word. You need to know that. And eventually he'll flee away. Thank you, Lord. So the keys to receiving power, I have a couple of them that I wanted to uh, hone in today. There's more, but these are some important keys and postures which are very necessary to tap in to the power of God for any situation into your life. And we're going to look at it, number one, pressing in. This is such an attitude which is so uh, not there prevalent in the churches today. We have a casual attitude towards faith. If it's convenient, we'll show up in the church. If it's convenient, we'll pray. With that attitude, we are not going to tap into the power of God. We have to have a militant attitude. Look at this. Uh, it says, from the days of John the Baptist, Matthew eleven twelve. 12, he says, until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. You got to be uh, militant in the spirit. Got to be like a soldier who's ready to go and get what belongs to you. You just cannot have a casual attitude. Okay, if it works, if it's convenient attitude to get anything from God. The average casual person will not receive anything from God. Let me put it that way. You got to be very serious about your faith and your pursuit about God. Jesus. And look at this. He says, let's look at this. Mark 5.30 says, At once Jesus was aware that power had gone out from him. Turning to the crowd, he asked, Who touched my clothes? Or who touched my garment? So in other words, there were several multitude or a multitude of people pressing into Jesus. But one lady tapped in, touched his garment, and she got healed instantly. That's called pressing in. Despite the disciples and the people telling her, hey, stay away, stay away. What did she do? She still kept pressing in. You're going to have opposition from your family, your people, your, your job, your society, to not pursue God seriously. But you got to do what? Press in. Because God is looking for a pressing in posture before he will release some power upon your life. If you are one of those people who are going to give up so easily, you're not going to get the power of God into your situation. you got to press in. See, listen, this woman who had an issue of blood was among thousands of other people in the multitude. But Jesus said, who touched me? So in a service like this, no matter what your neighbor is doing, you got to press in in worship, press in in prayer, cry out to God, come to the altar, whatever you need to do, press in, and you will see the power of God being released into the situation. But if you don't press in, 
you are not going to see that flow, the virtue flowing into your life. Look at this. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. But what did the crowd do? They sought or see, see you know, the past, uh, see, uh, seek and sought. So in other words, they pressed in to touch him. They did their part. And guess what? The power started to flow. See, the Lord has told me in my prayer times, he wants to do many things in our lives. But until we travail in prayer, we cry out, we press in, answers won't be delivered. It's a dynamic of the spiritual world. It's not that God don't want to release it, but there has to be a transfer of energy, meaning when I say energy, transfer of that intense travail going up to the heavens. God wants to see how much you want it because, like I said, the dynamics of the flow is such that the more you pull in, the more you're going to receive. You got to have a pressing in attitude. Unfortunately, the sleepy church in the Western world is so casual. We just put a bed down here, they'll be ready to sleep. Because nobody's pressing in. Why are you wasting your time? Press in. If this is, if this, if this is what you want, press in. Don't worry about your neighbor sitting to the left and the right. Press in and say, God, here, here's my situations, here's my petitions. Press into God. The power of God is available to heal. Let's go to the next. The next item is revelation. So these two items. So the first posture is pressing in. Got to be serious. You got to be diligent about your calling, about your election. And then the next is you got to get revelation if you want to tap into the power. Without revelation, you can't tap into the power of God. You can look into that now. And according to Proverbs 4, 7, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. See, we have the spiritual gifts. We have prophecy. We have tongues. We have healing. But Bible is very clear. If you're going to pursue something really hard, the number one chief most important thing is revelation. Wisdom, wisdom is the principal thing. Principal means what? The chief, the most important thing that you can get. I know many prophets who don't operate in wisdom. They're great in prophecy, but they don't operate in wisdom. Wisdom means to not only you understand the will of God or the word of God, but also you understand how to apply it in any situation. In other words, what God wants you to do in any situation. That's wisdom. So it's not only head knowledge, but also you know how, what God wants you to do in that particular situation. So wisdom is the principal thing because other gifts are good. But without wisdom mashed onto it, you're going to cause a shipwreck. It's very important to have wisdom. How to navigate through the treacherous terrain of this life. It's very important. So wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Did you notice the word it said, get wisdom? You got to go and pursue it. You got to go tap into it. And with all thy getting, get understanding. This is something that you have to go and obtain it. It's your, it's your 
duty or it's your task to do. And he goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 9, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. There's one thing that you can pursue is godly wisdom. It'll trump everything else. And then he talks about knowledge. So revelation is, is multifaceted. And one of the facets of revelation is knowledge. And there are two types of knowledge. We're going to look into that. Which is revealed knowledge and then rejected knowledge. Revealed knowledge and rejected knowledge. What is revealed knowledge? Revealed knowledge is usually the, the rhema word. God, God tells you a unique thing to do, in, unique instruction to do. Or a unique revelation, and then you go and obey it. You go and fulfill it. Look at this. It says John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's a key revelation. If you abide in God, not a visitor going out in and out, but if you abide in God, if your mind is set on God, and his words, again, his knowledge, his wisdom, abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What a promise. God is giving a blanket promise. He says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But what's the precept here? What's the criteria? Abide in me. Can be a visitor with flashes back and forth. You got to stay, stay with me. You got to stay in Christ consciousness. And my words abide in you. Got to know, you can't move out from your divinity. See, if you look at the Old Testament, many times Jacob, who became Israel, God, you know, afterwards called him Jacob at some time. You know why? Because Jacob used to go back and forth. Meaning, he was made a spiritual Israel, but he would still relapse back to his Jacob state at some point. Don't do that. Once we are made Israel, we got to stay in that spiritual state. That's abide in me, and my words abide in you. Stay the course. Stay focused on God, who God has made us to be. So, look at the, what happens when God reveals the knowledge to you. You, know, you need to know this. He says, when anyone hears the message of the kingdom, but does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the Antichrist spirit does not want you to advance the knowledge. He does not want you to know your gods, your sons of God, your divine, he does not want you to know. So anytime a word of God comes into you, what does he do immediately? The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown into your heart. This is why you can't be a casual hearer. If you're a casual hearer, Satan comes immediately, distracts you, so that you will never focus on what you heard. So he does that to who? The one who does not? Understand it. And understand means people are not taking enough time to absorb what is being heard. You heard today, if I ask you next Sunday what you, what is the key thing you heard, you can't remember. Because you're not absorbing it, meditating on it. It's not taking root in you. And the evil one snatches it away. This is the Antichrist spirit. He does not want you to be awakened. You can play religion all you want, but he does not want you to awaken to the true identity in you. So it's very key that we stay focused 
and receive with great diligence what we are hearing. This is what Jesus said, those who have ears, let them hear. Meaning he's like, who is ready to pay attention here? Who is ready to pay focus here? They're going to get this. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Hallelujah. If you look at the apostles too, the revealed knowledge, look at what they did. They, uh, it says, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the word. Early church, the, uh, the focus was on two things, prayer and word. They couldn't do ministry without that. Prayer and word. Devotion to prayer and word. A lot of focus on that. Hosea 4 says, so we saw the revealed knowledge. Next is rejected knowledge. Let's look at that. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. So there is revealed knowledge and rejected knowledge, meaning now you have God pouring out revelation, knowledge, etc., but you reject it, meaning you choose not to do anything with it. Like I said, some of the prophets are very good at prophesying, but they're very poor in obeying the, a word for themselves. They can give word out to others, but then they're very poor in uh, adhering or obeying. They reject a lot of them. Lead the prophets, anybody. We cannot reject what God is giving to us. That's called reject, you know, so there's revealed knowledge and the rejected knowledge, which is a, which is a big trend. A lot of prophecies flying in the air, but people aren't doing anything with the instruction. Reject, and guess what? Says Jesus, God says, you have rejected knowledge, and so what, I, what do I do? I reject you from being a priest unto me. You cannot do ministry, you cannot do anything, if you're not doing anything with what God has already given you. If you have rejected what instructions God has given you, He says... I reject you from being a what? A minister or a priest to me. Can. Because you're not doing anything with what has been given to you. Look at this. In Luke 12, 48, it says, Someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be only punished lightly. But to whom much is given, much is required. So if you had been, a, if you've been receiving a steady download of prophecies and instructions from God on what to do, and you've been rejecting it, you're responsible now for it. You're going to pay the consequences of it. You know, sometimes we, uh, I, I had one of my mentors say, it's better not to sit under some deep teaching because now we are more accountable. <laughs> if you're going to sit under some apostolic level teaching, make sure you don't reject what you're hearing. It's very important. Because if you did not know, you would have been better off. If you know and you choose to turn a deaf ear, know that you will bear the consequences for that. So this is called rejected knowledge. So what are some of the reasons why people reject, as I said, the attitudes, tradition, uh, especially religion. You know, some of the religion and tradition keep people from flowing in the spirit. They're too stuck on what 
the Baptists taught them or Presbyterians taught them. They are not able to move like the Pharisees and Sadducees had issues. They were too caught up in the traditional teaching. When Christ came, they couldn't receive him. He says, and Matthew 21 says, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. It's not saying tax collectors and prostitutes are any better than Pharisees. All God, Jesus is saying is, they will come to an awakening way far more, uh, faster than the traditional religious people. Haven't you noticed that? A lot of the saved people are off the streets or who've been sinning a lot. They're ready, quick to receive the kingdom message. But the traditional people, you just cannot convince them they need the Holy Spirit. They are just too caught up in their self-righteousness. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, these sinners, outcasts, are ready to receive the message of the kingdom, are ready to come to an awakening way sooner than the religious people. Because they don't have these filters blocking them from seeing the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. We looked at that verse. So to whom much is given, much is required. So God's power has to be tapped in with great diligence. You have to press in. And number two, because it's available within now. What's your heart posture? And number two, you have to receive what is being poured out and not reject it. Reject means don't do nothing with it. It's very key that these days to advance into what God has for you. You know, what's her name? Betty, Miss Betty Love came last time. I think she gave individual prophetic words to 90% of the people, right? So you know some of the specific instructions, unique instructions given to each people. What have you done with it? Are, have you rejected it or are you building on it? Are you trying to say, God, I'm going to run with this word that you've given me? Or have you even forgotten about it? It's called rejected knowledge. When you just take it casually, you don't even pay attention to it. To, him, to whom much is given, much is required. Thank you, Lord. You know, as I, as I started off today morning, many of you or many of us have only witnessed the assistance of man. It's time to start tapping into the power of God, to see that God can bring, bring salvation to any situation that you're going through. And he says in the Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's time that we rise up to understand the fullness of God's power for any, any situation in our life. Matt, can you help me with our Natalie? We're going to close it out. Um, I don't know what your situation is today, to be honestly. But the Lord wants us to tap in this. Come on, let's stand up. And as Matt's getting ready to lead us in the song. The power of the Lord was present to heal all, but only a widow or a leper or just few people tapped into it. So this morning, as we're going to pray, I want you, whether you're going to stretch your hand or kneel down or whatever it is, whatever posture you want to, lift up your petitions to God. You know, um, David said it this way in Psalm 37. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
Your promotion is on the way. Your deliverance is on the way. You don't have to continually tap in or depend on man. It says it's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in princes and chariots and human assistants. There is way more available in this earth realm. You all standing here are not ordinary people. None of you. You have to wake up. Receive that Holy Spirit's awakening so that you walk with purpose. You walk with power. And then you impart that uh, courage and hope to others knowing that God is good. Now it says in Psalm 62, God has spoken once. I've heard this twice. That power belongs to God. Come on, let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this morning, oh God, that your power is available to heal all, to set us free, to deliver us from all our situations, our distresses, our destructions, to redeem our lives, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you will renew a right spirit within us, that we will depend on you for all our needs and to see victory, victory after victory. And move forth into the glorious purposes that you, you have for each one of us. That we will shine like lights in this world. A light that is set on a hill. That men will come and ask, what is the source of this? How can we get a, get a how, how can we tap into this? Let us draw men to you, O God. Let us be fishers of men. Strengthen us, O God. Empower us, O God. Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, by the blood of the Lamb, I pray every evil hindrances, everything that has blocked people from seeing the glorious light of the gospel, I release the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn up every binding, every evil thing. Jesus. Come on, everybody just shout, Jesus. Save us, Lord. Save us. Thank you, Lord. I'm laying.